0: Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films, with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution, as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And
1: this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have Whiplash, starring Miles Teller, J.K. Simmons, Paul Riser, written and directed by Damien Chazelle. Welcome to Rice Smile Films. Welcome to episode number 100 of our show proper. 100 episodes, Matt. Can you believe it? I can't believe we've gone through 100. <laughs> I know. it's And it's gone fast, too. It just seems like yesterday we were rolling out Unbreakable.
0: It's gone by in a way that when you look at the list, you say, oh, that's 100. But in real time,
1: mm-hmm. it's nothing.
0: <laughs> are you sure we didn't just cut Unbreakable last month?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like. Man. Oh, yeah. We got... Uh, serenity to go see next week <laughs> kind of, right
0: it's gone by in a, in a heartbeat but it's been a great it's journey been,
1: it's been a blast well to that right to that to start out
0: and then also to everybody else out there who's mm-hmm. been with us through one to a hundred or anywhere in between yeah uh,
1: we appreciate all of you and here for you we're the, here the, for the listener you. yeah yeah excellent well today we're going to be talking about whiplash it's a film we brought up Um, Many, many, many times on this podcast, just in kind of our general discussion in our flight or nightcap. And here we are finally getting to talk about it from 2014. I think we're really excited to really take a deep dive into this thing. Um, But first, uh, gonna, as always, have a little bit of the more of the high West American Prairie bourbon. Uh, Like you said last week, this one definitely has a strong, strong taste to it. So let's take a deep dive into this first. Right. I like it. It's the proof on this.
0: You read that? Mayas are so bad. Is it on there?
1: And it's 46% alcohol by volume. I mean, yeah. The that's proof. something to do with that. Yeah. That, I don't even have that labeled here. I'll look it up in okay. the meantime, but right. <laughs> I like high West. High West is just always a solid go-to bourbon. If you're looking, you can usually typically find it anywhere. Yeah. I like it a lot too. Excellent. Well, let's take, let's get this party started with our flight question.
0: If I'm not mistaken, that's a double-time swing.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Double-time swing is so fast. We'll talk about that later. But first and foremost, Whiplash. uh, One of my favorite parts about this movie is that it highlights uh, one, Mr. J.K. Simmons, who, whether it's Oz or Spider-Man, J. Jonah Jameson, he's always been that guy that's like the supporting guy, whether it's I love you, man, or burn after reading. Like he's always just shows up in that thing and you know him, like Mm -hmm. he's the guy from that thing. And I love that he got he's still the supporting part in this movie. This is Andrew's story, but um, he gets highlighted in such a fantastic way. And it's one of the best supporting actor performances I think we'd probably agree ever. I mean, it's just so nuanced, and we'll get into that. But my question to you is, what are the top three best supporting actor performances of all time? Well, that's a big question. That's a loaded
0: question. <laughs> Quite a few choices here, right? A ton of choices. No honorable mentions. I'm just going to go with three. All right. But if you ask me this again tomorrow, maybe one of these would make it tomorrow. Okay. Coming in at number three, Miss Anne and Bancroft as Mrs. Robinson. Excellent. Did you notice as you were building this list that villains seem to take a prominent role in your oh, selection? Of course. Yeah. So there you have that one. Uh, oh, it's more fun to play bad.
1: Right, yeah. There's so much, so many more fun things you can do with a character like that.
0: Naturally, it fits too, highlighted in a supporting way because it's usually the protagonist story. So you need some of the antagonists to make the pro net protagonist stick out. But uh, we'll go with that one. I love it. The original MILF, yeah. cougar, or whatever.
1: <laughs> Stifler would say, "God bless handlines." Yeah, excellent. Uh, I love, I love your choice. Uh, yeah, and Ban- And Bancroft uh, from *The Graduate*. Go back, listen to that episode. That one, that one's a blast. Mm-hmm. Number three for me, uh, you know, I love this movie, Matt. You know, I love the character, uh, my favorite version of the character. I have to go with Heath Ledger's Joker from The Dark Knight. And Matt, do you know what my favorite part of that performance is? Is no idea how wrong I was about it going into it. Well, oh, it's I don't you've never heard this. Tell have me. you? <laughs> I was one of the fanboys on the internet, being like, "I really, what a botched cast! I can't see it. I can't this." And then once I saw the first picture and then the first sound clip and then the first trailer, I was, I was on board. I was like, I can't wait to see this. And then I saw the movie and I was just like, my expectations could not have gone from like a 10 to like a hundred. And I like being proven wrong in movies, like especially looking forward to the things. So that's my favorite part about that was just how wrong I was about it. Yeah. That's
0: a monumental role and it's only heightened with everything that went around it post of shooting. Exactly. Good choice. Yeah. Number three.
1: Number two.
0: Number two for me. John Cazale as Fredo Corleone. Uh, where do we go with that? Fredo Corleone takes a, a place in, in lexicon that is the sort of pitiful other. Mm-hmm. I think it's partly because it's certainly the way that character is written, but mostly it's the way Cazale depicts it. John Cazale was taken from us way too soon. Mm-hmm. I think we both agree on that. Yep. And his film career is highlighted with stunning performance after stunning performance, but this one's the best. And that character in a cast that is filled with iconic characters playing second fiddle to essentially Al Pacino's Michael Corleone, mm-hmm. where do we start? But I think he's the best. Yeah. And as much as I said that, Robert Duvall and James Caan And Talia Shire could equally throw their hats in the ring. Yeah, they're just
1: as good. It's just it's the best cast ever of all time. I mean,
0: and that's not even to say Marlon Brando because the movie is essentially titled after him.
1: But he's in a coma for half (laughs) the movie. But even he's good in it too. So John Cazale, excellent. Thanks. My number two. I'm going Tarantino for this one, and I gotta go. Samuel Jackson as. Uh, jules winfield i think that's a great choice i think the samuel jackson that we all know today is an offshoot of that character yeah i mean it's kind of where he became the samuel jackson we know and love and the one-liners like english do you speak it like all of that uh, greatness and his his kung fu story i i I love all of it i think it's it's probably tarantino's best character um and we we listed off our, our tarantino characters but just kind of in retrospect of this one Honestly, it's it's probably the best character he's ever put together with a performance, too. But another film with just really good support. They're all supporting characters in that movie, essentially. And they're all pretty good, whether it's Willis or Travolta or Dean Grames or Uma Thurman. uh, Everyone kind of brings it, but him especially. I mean, his monologue alone gets him on this list.
0: I can't argue with a single bit of that. Yeah, It probably is his best character, Yeah, support or otherwise. Yeah. It's good. Just a fun, fun, fun character, too. Good choice. Excellent. Yeah. Number one. I bet I'm going to take the same one you did. Okay. But, well, maybe not. It's Morgan Freeman as Red Redding. Mm. No, that's not yours. I'm shocked. Really. <laughs> There's a million supporting characters. That's, that's a good a, one. That's, that's a, good, a perfect film. That's a good one. And you might argue that that's as much his movie as it is Andy Dufresne, Tim mm-hmm. Robbins. Mm-hmm. The narrative element in that and his voice helped tremendously it's why morgan freeman has such an illustrious career on screen as well as off screen and man it comes across in spades in that it, 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 what i mean i don't need to say anything more than it's perfect that is a perfect film yeah and it's a perfect portrayal of your buddy in prison
1: excellent yeah i like. brooks was here and so was Red. And so was Red. <laughs> I love get it. Get busy living or get busy dying. Yeah, we'll 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 I wonder maybe maybe that's gonna show up on your list, but I'd love to cover Shawshank at some point in the in the future. it would yeah. be a great episode. I'm sort of shocked
0: we haven't yeah. really. We haven't done the prison break film, you know, have we?
1: Yeah, we've, we have we've, we've done Stephen King twice. <laughs> so we we haven't done the cerebral Stephen King drama we've been doing before. <laughs>
0: There's genre. That? So, yeah. So
1: yeah, we can we can yeah, definitely cover that one. Mm-hmm. My number one. You already covered it, but whereas you're kind of looking at John Casali as Fredo, I'm essentially saying take your pick. Whether it's part one, part two, The Conversation, Dog Day Afternoon, or The Deer Hunter, easily the best supporting actor of all time.
0: And I am so, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't know. No, I'm no, sorry. No. Within, that was not arranged, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. That is
1: to- completely organic. Easily the best supporting actor of all time. Just look at those films I rattled off he, that he did in a five-year span before yeah. his untimely passy. I think he died of lung cancer. Yeah. Uh, Incredible. And if the one to highlight, it's kind of, kind of the one, his part two performance as Fredo is nothing short of tragic and brilliant. Mm -hmm. Uh, With that, that part there where he's talking with Michael in the living room and Michael's just like, you're dead to me, Fredo. And there's nothing. And he's just like laying back in that lounge chair, like totally defeated. Yeah. And then cut to that, to him on the boat. Brilliant. Like you said, taken way too, I would love to have seen uh, he has the rare distinction that every one of the films he was in was nominated for Best Picture. That is crazy. Every one of them. So, and Dog Day Afternoon. That's that's a terrific movie too. That I don't think it gets talked about, but I don't think nearly is enough. That's a good movie too. It sure is. Yeah. So to John Cassavetes. To John Cassavetes. There's a great documentary out there about him too. I can't remember the name of it, but it's like all about just like his life and like all these fantastic films that he was in.
0: I said no honorable mentions. Okay. Do you have one?
2: Uh.
1: no too many huh Al Pacinos really good in the Godfather as well but like like I said the whole cast is amazing
0: so I'll break the rule that I set. And okay. I'm gonna have this one was close okay and it was between her and Bancroft and this her is Irene Dunn in the awful truth mm-hmm. so that would be the other one
1: Jimmy Stewart's pretty good supporting character in Philadelphia story as well yes he is so excellent great list I mean like when, when you kind of look it up it's Pretty overwhelming the choices to choose. I even thought about Joe Pesci from two weeks ago. Oh yeah, and which which film though? Goodfellas. There's any number you could do with him too: Raging Bull or Casino. So, yeah, so many to pick from. But let us let us know your favorite supporting actor on either Facebook, Instagram, or Rice at gmail.com. We'll read those out on on the next episode or the the retrospective one that we're gonna be. We'll tease that out at that at the end. So.
0: This is one of those that when you see someone else's postings, it's, oh, I didn't even think of that. There's Mm -hmm. so many great ways to go with it.
1: Exactly. Hard to miss. Well, let's take a deep dive. It's happy hour time. Let's get to our review breakdown of Whiplash.
2: What's your name? Andrew Naiman, sir. What year are you?
0: I'm a first year.
2: You know who I am? Yes, sir. So you know I'm looking for players? Yes, sir. Then why did you stop playing? Did I ask you to start playing again?
1: Uh, I asked why
2: you stopped playing and your version of an answer was to turn into a wind-up monkey. So I thought... Show me your rudiments. Yes, sir. Double time swing. No, double time. Double it. Faster. Faster.
1: And thus begins this tumultuous relationship between our two lead characters. So whiplash opens up with, uh, Andrew (laughs) Naiman. I don't know if you noticed that, but he pronounces it Naiman and Fletcher, I think purposely mispronounce it. It's almost belittling the way he says it. There's something Neiman doesn't quite sound right. It sounds impish. <laughs> <See what? laughs> yeah. um, but you get this, yeah, this nice kind of pull into Miles as Andrew Nayman here on the drums. And you obviously see that the, the kid's got some talent. He's here at the Schaefer Conservatory, which I believe isn't real as is a stand in for Juilliard, mm-hmm. uh, the music school of all music schools. And then here we meet the antagonist slash supporting actor of the film, Mr. Terrence Fletcher. And, Right away from the get go, at least for me, it's just instantly confrontational. It's instantly nerve wracking, and you kind of see how these two are going to release butt heads for the entire duration of of this story. Uh, just from the kind of the opening bit, I like I like the way how this how this film opens up. It's bookended. It's the
0: same way it ends. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you introduce the character, you want to introduce them in an interesting environment that it tells the audience this is who this character is, and we get that certainly with Naaman. <clears throat> He's at the kit. He's by himself. assume it's after hours. Mm-hmm. Spotlighted and just grinding and grinding and grinding. And it's even down to the shirt, which is pretty worn and sweaty. Like this is a worker who's dedicated to his craft. We get a little bit of that. I don't know, 15 seconds maybe. Mm-hmm. And then immediately we get the supporting character and just barely supporting character, yeah. which is Fletcher. And we introduce him in a way. That's pretty germane to what his character is in the film too. He's kind of a bastard. Yeah. And kind of, <laughs> I, yeah, essentially he holds the keys to the kingdom, but he's not real magnanimous, magnanimous about letting those people mm-hmm. or letting anyone use those keys. Good word. Yeah, that's good. So mm-hmm. Naaman knows the potential that Fletcher holds, mm-hmm. but he has to kind of kiss his ass Mm-hmm. Or at least recognize who the alpha in the room is yeah. in order to get any crack at even being a noble in that kingdom. No, oh, everybody's kissing ass in this movie. <laughs> and you, you almost have to, not only for your professional career, but for your personal livelihood as well, because sure. Fletcher will undress you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I lo- it's it's such a terrific introduction and then and then smash cut that to just New York as a backdrop but then the jazz soundtrack as our rhythm rhythmic beat throughout the film. Like you said, you want to introduce the character in it, in the environment that they're going to be uh acting in, the the world that they're going to be inhabiting. And I think this world of jazz, drumming, jazz banding um is so unique and like I can't really think of another film that has really tried to cover this world. And I think that's in part why I I end up liking it a lot is it's, it's, I, I appreciate movies that give you a snapshot into worlds you haven't seen before. Yeah. Uh, like, look, like we've all seen the the football game, you know what I mean? Whether it's varsity blues or Friday night lights, like we, we've seen that environment. Like, if this is the first one that's really highlighting and putting the jazz world on on a pedestal like by all means take a seat and take a snapshot into this world because it's going to be a wild ride mm-hmm. and I'll pepper it in as we go along with the stuff that just is so spot on like the stuff that actually happens that like that you go through the rigmarole of a daily rehearsal <laughs> so yeah a
0: lot of this movie is the grind mm-hmm. and appreciating the grind and what goes into the craft that the movie admits isn't wildly appreciated by most of the population. Mm -hmm. Of the conversation later on with Naaman and him inviting his sort of ex-girlfriend to his performance, he admits, you know, yeah, it's not for everybody. The thing that's important in this opening scene is Fletcher starts to lay the foundation for a a motto that's going to dictate most of what he says, and that's not my tempo. Mm -hmm. Now, he doesn't quite say it in this scene, but... With him pacing and beating out Neyman's, uh drumming. Mm-hmm. Him saying not my tempo is a little bit about music, but it's also a little bit about you need to recognize who I am
1: and you better march to my beat.
0: Otherwise, it, it, yeah.
1: it's curtains. It's either that or you're not at my caliber yet. You're not at the caliber I'm looking for. Not quite my tempo, not quite what I'm looking for yet. And I think he sees it in the opening scene. I think he sees the potential with Neiman. I'm just going to start calling him Neiman from now on. I think he sees it from the get-go, and I think that's why he's willing to put him through the gauntlet of jazz drumming is because he sees something there that he doesn't. And I I think we see that through Fletcher a few times throughout the film that he's willing to bring in competition and this to push Andrew even further and further. And, And then the whole crux of this is how much is too much of pushing your musician.
0: Amen. Yeah. We talk a lot about internal conflict in the protagonist and the antagonist and how essentially both are If it's done well, Mm -hmm. both are after the same thing and accomplishing it. Not only will solve the internal conflict, but in direct interaction with each other, external conflict, resolving hero and villain Mm -hmm. in that statement, not quite my tempo you have before you, the internal and external conflict Of Fletcher, mostly a little bit, name and laid before you. And the two words that describe that perfectly are my Mm -hmm. and tempo. Yeah. The battle over music and the battle over my version of what music should be. Ooh, good. And I think those two words are wildly important to really understanding and in a weird way, loving Fletcher. He's a bastard. Yeah.
1: A monster.
0: But there's a scene coming and I know you, I'm I'm guarantee you did the sound on this. Okay. Right, did you? <laughs> Which the one? scene in the bar at the blue note? Yes. Okay. That I think is the best scene. Arguably, this might be the best scene since the turn of the century. Yeah. It's just a discussion at a bar between Naaman and Fletcher, and it's the best explanation of what I just laid out and mm-hmm. also the best goals. Yeah. For the villain to take over. Like, we've bagged on the Ultron. I'm going to destroy this world and take it over. I'm so
1: glad you brought that up because I was thinking, I was like, how refreshing is it to kind of see a villain who's in total dominion over his dojo, this jazz quartet or this jazz band? Um, Whereas, like, a Thanos goal is I'm trying to take over the world or I'm trying to decimate half of the population. Like, these goals are so much smaller, but no less significant. The other word in there is quite. Yeah. Almost would work there Mm
0: -hmm. and for what's going to be described later in the scene i just spoke about and you're going to play later i know you're going to see why quite or almost is secondarily as important as tempo or my Mm -hmm. because he's all around it and he wants to do what he can to the craft that he loves i'm getting way ahead of ourselves here yeah but not quite my tempo almost Mm -hmm. it's dripping with almost yeah and that's an important part of this film too but that being said a couple things yeah i'm not nearly the music expert in this sort of space that you are it's a very fast tempo you've recognized that Mm -hmm. and the onset of blood now
1: begins yeah blood everywhere i'm gonna break that down yeah, how much blood are you willing to shed to achieve greatness essentially? Yeah. And he's going to shed a lot. I mean and I had for, kind of forgotten like how intense the car accident scene is coming up. But even there's the fine one of the final shots is of blood dripping down the symbol like right before they have their like exchange at, at the end there's the blood is still you still it still costs you blood even here at this late stage of the game. But mm-hmm. uh, let's catch it up here so Andrew's uh this new student here at Schaefer. He's in the Nassau band, the JV <laughs> uh, under band and everyone's reaching for the top, which is Fletcher's band. He actually has uh, uh you can see the gravitas that he has here in this, in this school. And so when Fletcher comes to rehearsal one day and is just kind of picking out players and going down the line and seeing who's, who's what, who's what they say they are, who's here just because of the grace of father's dime or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then just through the little practice, Neiman, who's this, the, the backup drummer in the JV band is kind of picked out to be like, Hey, come with me and let's, let's kind of see what you got. And what he tells him is like, got rehearsal tomorrow, 6am sharp. Don't be late. So when he wakes up late at 603, furiously runs to the the jazz room and no one's in there because rehearsal doesn't start until 9am. I mean, this is just Fletcher just fucking with him. Like So he has to sit there for three hours to wait for this band to show up, but to kind of really show how much do you really care about this? And to me in the world of music and jazz drumming, it does boil down to how much do you really care about what you're putting into it? Because I'll be the first to tell you, like, in my musical career, I didn't practice every day. And I didn't, there there was times when I'd goof off a ton. And I took private lessons on the side, but... There was sometimes i like, my heart wasn't in it. I'd rather just kind of goof off with friends or, or whatnot. And I could see the added frustration in my musical teacher. I'll just call him the band director for the duration of the episode. But I would see the lack of commitment uh, on our end and how stressful that would make it on him. So then his reaction would be just. <laughs> right. Dedicated to
0: the craft and trying to mine pearls from swine. Mm -hmm. I'm not calling you swine, but you know what? You get like trying to refine the next great. If that's your goal, if you're the the teacher and that's your goal to find the next great, my gosh, you've set a really high, high standard. Yeah. Not so it's not okay just to be good. (laughs) One of the all timers. Yeah. And there are very few people in pretty much all aspects of life, which ends up being that person. Yeah that are willing to go that length. Most people are okay with practicing some and then screwing off some like you did. Yeah, And your your heart was in it because you did put some time. It just wasn't in it to the point where it sated your teacher's wild
1: dreams. And yeah. I mean that in a positive way yeah. for what could be. Maybe I'll just beg on myself a little bit and maybe it's just my ego, but like, there was a point there towards the end where I... I I was pretty good and mm-hmm. was making the all state lists of the jazz band and the concert band. And so maybe it was a bit of arrogance on my part of thinking like, I don't need to practice as much. You know what I mean? Like well, you need to tell everybody what you play too. Yeah. I played uh, alto sax in, in the jazz band and I played the tenor sax as well, but saxophone was kind of like my dojo. I was one of the reads. So the scene coming up here. So, okay, we're having our first rehearsal here in the top tier band and then they play, um, Whiplash, which is the title of the film and essentially the physical violence that's going to take place between Andrew and Fletcher throughout the duration of this film. It's a perfect title for a movie. (laughs) You know, I wonder. Yeah. Your
0: accounting of your endeavors in music isn't unlike all of our endeavors in something else. Yeah. We could take this for example, Mm -hmm. what you and I do here right now. Yeah could we work harder at it? I mean you work harder out the night cuz you do all the sound and stuff during the week. <laughs> so you already do put more time than me. Yeah. Um But yeah, could we sure. Oh, of course. The question is how hard are you going to chase it? Yeah. What are you ultimately going yeah. for? And I wonder if on that mm-hmm. is it laziness or is it a little bit of self-protection? Yeah. Very few things and I bet you can agree with me on this. Yeah. Very few things in my life have I cont- can I say that I've jumped all the way in both feet. Yeah. Balls to the wall, go for it. Yeah. But I can tell you the couple times that that's happened, yeah. it didn't work out. Yeah. And that's a really bitter pill to take.
1: Well, sure, yeah. Well, because another part of it was like I never saw being a musician as like a career. <laughs> I never wanted to go to school for that or to teach that. Like I wanted to make movies, you know what I mean? Like that's that was like my like thought process in high school was like I got one foot in this door, but I got a foot in this movie door as well, you know what I mean? So, like, to fully jump all in, like you're saying, like, no, you have two feet in two different pools.
0: I look back at some of those wild dreams I had as a youth, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to tie this into the company that made this film in just a minute, too. I think this is a great way to do this. (laughs) When I was young, I was certain I was going to be a professional basketball player. Honestly, there's about 500 of those realistically Again, I I can't do the bench of every NBA team and overseas, but like it's sure. a very small amount. Yeah. And that guy that's on the end of the worst team's bench in the NBA, that guy is so goddamn good. Yeah. Okay. So I look back at it mm-hmm. and I played and I practiced and all that. But when I take the 500 foot view upon what was, mm-hmm. God didn't make me to be a basketball player. Yeah. He made me to be a swimmer. Yeah, look at
1: me—huge
0: mm-hmm. hands, huge feet, yeah. little waist, broad shoulders, super lanky. Like mm-hmm. I'm the JV Michael Phelps, <laughs> without the fast twitch muscles. There you go. So yeah. that never would have been play either. But had I pursued that, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that because it's uh, that's not true either. Yeah. There was a natural build that was a better fit. Mm -hmm. Now, the deal breaker on that was practice at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I don't really like to swim like that. Well, you use an example
1: of an athlete very well. Like, if an athlete's going to go all in, professional athleticism, you're waking up at, like, 5 in the morning to go practice. Like, what social life do you have in that regard? Right. You You could make millions, and, yeah, good for you at that point, but that's a tough road to get there, too. I think about it with writing, too, and
0: we've both been through that a lot. Yeah. We could do that harder. Yeah. And there's times when we do it really hard. Mm -hmm. And I think when we get it going really hard, it goes pretty well. Yeah. There was a time, this is a story that everybody will appreciate. Bold Films is the company that made this movie Whiplash. Yeah. Jesse and I took a meeting with Bold Films, what, a decade ago? Eight years. Eight years ago. Yeah. It was right after Drive?
1: Yeah. Like the year after Drive, yeah.
0: One of the executives at that company we knew from another walk in our professional life. And so we were out taking meetings over a couple of concepts that we had. And we set up a meeting with bold films. The way this ties into is we chased it for a minute. Yeah. For a minute, for a weekend. Yeah. And then we came home. Yeah. We take this meeting, we have coffee and it's a bit of a, it's, it's a bit of a walk from where we're staying to where we're going to take this meeting with this individual. Should I just say his name? Is it okay? Yeah, go ahead. John Oaks yeah. is his name. Yeah. Tag him in, in Instagram, and maybe he'll yeah, like yeah, it. Remember. remember us? We were the ones who were soaking wet and twitchy. Yeah, the best part of the story is we walk. We walk to this place, right? Okay, so the I don't want to drive because driving's murder there. and We have to park, so I'm like, oh, it's only like an, a mile. September, Los Angeles. Yeah, my phone says it's a mile. Yeah, so I'm like, we'll just walk it. <laughs> that is the longest mile in the history of travel <laughs> upon the earth. There's no way that was a mile, Jesse. Yeah. Long story short, the meeting was like what two. We show up and sit down, and I am soaking. My clothes are a waterbed yeah. with sweat. Yeah, your baby blue shirt's a navy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so then Jesse, in all of his infinite wisdom, is you want to be calm and together. Decide, And this is a guy who doesn't drink coffee. Decide to sit down and have, what, a quadruple well, I, espresso? I drink coffee now, but
1: back not then. Not then. Yeah, not then. With a side of heroin? like what? It, the, I, I'm not going to turn down free coffee that John's offering. He's like, hey, what do you want? So I got this drink. I remember it. The, the bullet, th- right? It was called the Hammerhead. Jesus. Six shots of espresso. So when it came to me, there was like about an inch of f- liquid with a little bit of foam on top. I was like, oh, this is some L.A. thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so I drank it. And I, I kid you not, I thought I was like, I thought I was going to die. So, I thought my heart was going to stop. And there's Matt on the other end of the, the couch talking with John about financial grosses of of movies soaked like 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 he had just wrenched like like someone had thrown a bucket of water on. <laughs> My socks were wet. That's how sweaty I was. Every
0: piece of me was damp. Yuck, I can't believe I said that word. Sorry for everybody, but yes, mm-hmm. moist. Wet. <clears throat> we finished that meeting and there's no question he didn't call back. Yeah. We had tweaking weirdo. And his waterbed partner. Yeah, I. And honestly, yeah. Despite all that, yeah, it was a good meeting. It was good, and we we accomplished some things, and we got. A, I think we got a submission. I don't. Know, was that Memorial Day? I forget what it was. Yeah. Some script we had written. Yeah, and then we <laughs> never heard from him again. It's just funny that, in a sense, yeah. Is the microcosm of what I'm getting at. That's a great story about Bold Films, who does a really good job selecting material. And I think we can we're going to go over their filmography, I'm sure, at some point. But this is another chapter in a really successful novel. But it's also another story about to get there to where Teller, yep, as Naaman or um, Kim Simmons as Fletcher want to get. Yeah. Not only do you have to be dedicated and persevere, you also have to get lucky and put up with a lot of bullshit. Yeah that's a long road yeah very long road for the promise and that stressful. maybe you can just yeah. keep um, trying a maybe yep and to that yeah to <laughs> all of that to everyone who's endeavoring and persevering yeah i feel you and i love you and all i can say is keep going grab that motherfucker and write it hard keep going really yeah grab that bowl and you write it what
1: else is there yeah exactly i mean it, you guys listen write it you go yeah Pursue it. Yeah. No, I'm I'm hard. I'm I'm like, well, I mentioned today. So, this film was half funded because Chazelle, no one wanted to buy this script that was on the blacklist of good screenplays floating around Hollywood. Still, no one wanted to make it. Crazy. So, right there with cloning Jesus. (laughs) Exactly. So, Blumhouse got involved and says, well, Blumhouse? Yeah, Blumhouse, the horror company. Is this a horror film? Kind (laughs) of. Yeah. Yeah. Domestic them, horror. They ponied up a bit of money so he could go shoot a short like film version, kind of like James Wan did with Saw. Mm. And then they took that to the festival circuits, and it actually won the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance. And then Sony Picture Classics, I was like, yeah, go make this movie $3 million. Um, and it's essentially the scene that's coming up in the film is what they did, like 12 minutes of Andrew's first day at Studio Band. And I posted on Instagram this week, like, it just goes to show there's many roads to getting a movie made. So even if it it looks kind of if if whatever endeavor you're in in life, whether it's sports or this or that, pursue it because even the director in this film, there was no way to get this thing made. No one wanted to read his La La Land screenplay because, yeah, who's going to make a musical until you make something? He hadn't done anything. He found a way to get it done. And then it became the jumping off point to get this film made. So Mm -hmm. there's always a way. to You just got to keep going at it.
0: You got to keep going. Yeah.
1: So... Matt, I'll tell you a little bit about jazz band. Uh, so, well, there's about 20 people in the band: five saxes, four trombones, three to four trumpets. It varies band to band. A drummer, a bassist. Uh, you can have a guitarist, and then a pianist. So, it's a very intimate setting. It's very. It's not like a large 150 person group where you can kind of sneak away into the shadows. Like no, you, when you're there, your part is heard, and if you're not pulling your weight, that's hurt as well. Yeah. So the scene coming up that I'm about to play is about as true as it could ever get in, in, in a jazz band rehearsal.
2: Yikes. Do you think you're out of tune? What are you, there's no fucking Mars bar down there. What are you looking at? Look up here. Look at me. Do you think you're out of tune? Yes. Then why the fuck didn't you say so? I've carried your fat ass for too long, Mets. I'm not going to have you cost us a competition because your mind's on a fucking Happy Meal instead of on pitch. Jackson, congratulations, your fourth chair. Mets, why are you still sitting there? Get the fuck out! Betts was not a tune. You were Erickson, but he didn't know, and that's bad enough.
1: So you see the level of perfection at work here. Like, well, I'm going to literally kick out a player who d- who doesn't know that he's in tune. Like, we need smart players here in this band. They got to know. And this little kind of weaselly kid, like, is just so nervous. I mean, Fletcher runs this like a Marine Corps and just kind of going down the line. So Matt, like that going down the line, like, we got to find out who's in tune now. You, the three, and then you go one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. This was every day, like every day. And so if you weren't in tune and you didn't make adjustments, the beratement would just increase at that point. Like you had to change. You had to make adjustments. You had to make markings with pencil on your music. That way you didn't make that mistake again. Because then if the mistakes added up that you had already discussed, that's where it got stressful. And so this scene is just prime example.
0: Is it the frustration of the grind that he's going through, too, or is it him yeah. exercising his power over those in his band? What do you think it Both. is? Both. Both, yeah. So in real life, mm-hmm. which yeah. for you, which was it?
1: Mm. It was the grind. For, I think so, too. For
0: sure. Being a high school music teacher would be really tough. Yeah. Music, well, any kind of teacher. Well, like in you any- said, you
1: got kids dicking around, yeah. like on the side, like you got to deal with that. Yeah. So that, that's got to suck, but... What kills it for me is that, like, I really did like playing early on in those, like, middle school, early high school days. And then it's not until you get to, like, you know, the top ones where you're where you're the kind of, like, the guy now where you're the group where it got so stressful for me where I was like, man, I'm like, I'm not having as much fun as I used to. You know what I mean? Like, the passion was starting to be, like, drained from me. So I feel it. I feel this kid here. I mean... In my group, you know, there was um, two really close friends, trombonists. Actually, they got called out one day, big time, and just got laid into. And one of them is apologizing, "It'll never happen again." This is that? And then the one next to him is just silent, like this kid.
0: Was the beratement or getting called out? Was it just? Was it justified? Oh, was it? Yeah, it was definitely just, it? it
1: was definitely justified. But then, because the the other one is just silent. He turns into, into a statue and just didn't respond. And he's like, Hey, do you have anything to say? And his silence in tune made it worse, much like fats here. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So like, I just took, when I saw this scene, I was just like, Jesus, that was like, that happened all the time. And like that, just going down the line to play your part, like you'll know, you'll know who's practiced. You'll know who's good. Just going down the line like that. And it was just so nerve wracking. Like when we had a rehearsal where we didn't do that, it was like a godsend because like, we didn't have to like, you think, just think about like how the the classes you teach Matt like whether it's economics or history, you know, if someone doesn't know the question or this have something to write with or on. Yeah. 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 Okay. Get something or you answer the question for them. Like in, in a circumstance like this, like you're like singled out because like you can't play, you know what I mean? Like there's such a spotlight on the person. It's, I can see why people freak out. Like it's it's crazy.
0: I wonder sometimes if it's we have a lot to do. Why are we messing around with this trivial BS? You should have had this taken care of because yeah. we have other things to do. Mm-hmm. And then take that and have that same discussion day after day after day after day. What it really ends up becoming is a shocking indictment of maybe what they're really not ready for. Yeah. And whether that's dedication or capability or motivation or any of those other Factors that would drive participation. Mm-hmm. It's a really tough pill to handle. If I want to teach you the corollary of supply and demand and the coefficient of elasticity, and you can't even pull out a piece of paper yes, and something to write with, <laughs> yeah, we are worlds apart yeah. on something that I think is really important and mm-hmm. something that you give so little a damn about yeah. or are incapable of understanding, which then is a reflection of the instruction. Mm-hmm. And that just ends up becoming a trap that snowballs and takes on more mass as it goes down the hill for what's an avalanche of truth, man.
1: And I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I actually believe, not in the approach, but in the methodology of Fletcher's understanding, I believe you can pull greatness out of something like music. Sure. Like even myself, when I started uh, playing the sax, like I wasn't good at it. My embouchure, which is like the the facial structure of how you play and put air into the instrument, it sucked. Really, I was last chair. Like I was getting kind of like I was like I'm not getting it. I'm not like the rhythm. I'm got you got to figure out how to read music. It was like such a thing, and I was like, man, maybe I'm not not for this. But then over time, I got lessons. I practice. I got better. It's, it's something you can improve on, which is the crazy thing. So, like, when Fletcher's p- pushing these guys, I don't believe in the method that he's doing because um, it's very abusive and abrasive, but it's possible is the sick thing at the end of the day with, with something like music. Same thing with athletics. You can push yourself to be better. There's just some things where you're like, yeah, maybe I can't be that, like, nuclear physicist because I'm just not that smart. You know what I mean?
0: We all reach a limitation. Sure, yeah. I believe that everyone has a set of skills mm-hmm. that is greater than someone's other rival set of skills. I can't draw for
1: shit. But either. I see people and I'm like, man, that's looks incredible.
0: Right. <laughs> the trick is being able to find that. Yep. And then if you're lucky enough to find it and have the drive to want to develop it, then maybe mm-hmm. if you get a little lucky, you can be one of the all timers. Yeah. But if that's the thing that you're chasing as the motivating agent to create or find or develop one of the Alzheimer's, yeah, there has to be a lot of things that fall in place to get there. Sure. And so, as much as we're kind of talking around the characters in this film, do you know what we're basically done for the last twenty minutes? Gosh, talk we're 40 about the characters in, of the film and defend <laughs> Fletcher. Yeah, aren't we? Like I said, like I like I believe in what he's pursuing. I do too. It's possible. And this, the I can't wait till we do it because it's my favorite scene in film since two thousand.
1: Began, but isn't that the mark of a good villain Amen. or a really yes. well written villain? Yes, is that like a, his motivation, his goals are are clearly understood. So let's take a look here at Neiman's first crack at uh, taking the top spot here. Good, same rehearsal. Oh my dear
2: God! <laughs> are you one of those single tier people? Do I look like a double fucking rainbow to you? You must be upset. Are you upset? No. No, so you just don't give a shit about any of this? I do give so a shit about this. are you upset, yes, or fucking no? Yes, you are upset. Yeah. Say it. I'm upset. Say it so the whole band can hear you. I'm upset. Louder! I'm upset. Louder! I'm upset! You are a worthless, friendless, friendless faggot lip, little piece of shit whose mommy left daddy when she figured out he wasn't Eugene O'Neill and who is now weeping and slobbering all over my drum set like a fucking nine-year-old girl. So for the final father-fucking-time, say it louder! I'm upset! Carl. Start practicing harder, Damon. Brutal.
1: Absolutely brutal. I, I probably would have quit like right there, but then the maybe goes away.
0: Do like, I look like a double rainbow to you? Oh, it's such a, such a good line.
1: Um, I love JK Simmons, performance. It's nuanced, but it's allowed when it needs to be. But then in the scene that we're going to get to, like he can dial it down and kind of get his message clear across. Like it's, it's amazing. I love watching all his little insults and tirades. Uh, they're just so spot on. Like he uses it as ammo. I mean, he asked mm-hmm. him like any musicians in your family. No, my dad's a writer. Yeah, mommy left, walked out on you, and your dad's just like... he wasn't Eugene O'Neill. Yeah, oh, man, what a what, a just, what a, And he does it later, too. He he, he sticks it to, to him later, but absolutely abusive. Like, this is after he threw a chair at him and slapped him about five times. <laughs> the, just to kind of get the point across about it's not quite my tempo. Now, kind of fall in line. Now, when he's going through that whole rigmarole of not quite my tempo, and you kind of see each failed attempt and each failed attempt. And as we get deeper into the count at some point, Andrew is just totally screwed because you develop a mental block about it. Like, like, like even when I played, it it was just like, if you're going through this, you're like, maybe I can't play this the way it's written or the way it says, because I'm, I'm psyching myself out. Like you end up doing more harm than good than kind of just going into it and into it and into it. Like you end up doubting the ability to even do it. In a studio jazz band, like the one we see on film, mm-hmm.
0: correct me if I'm wrong. You, you take this. I have two things I want to ask you. This sure. is the first one. Yeah. Is the rhythm section the most important piece? Oh,
1: without a doubt. Right. It's the heartbeat. Okay. Break that down. Well, they're the ones that, you know, provide the beat. Arguably the basis is going to be your most important because that's just like the rhythm of, you know, everything kind of flowing together, but then you have to have a drummer that's in tune with that. And you know, I've been on the receiving ends of both good and bad drummers. Uh, so and then even the pianist they fit into that too. So if they're out of sync, the rest of the band's going to be out. of I have a story about that later on, but yes, the most important part. And
0: as the one who starts the tempo, not comes in after a few measures or a few bars, mm-hmm. you don't even get to kind of pick it up in your mind and feel it out before you go, and you just got to be right on at the at the jump, don't yep, you? Yep.
1: So that little, that little four thing, that little one, two, three, and then you're in. Yeah. That's that little three hand gesture. That's, that's your cue to how fast you're going to play. Yep. You better hope you have it.
0: (laughs) You got to pick up rhythm quick. Yep. That is
1: some pressure. I got it. Yeah. It's absolutely some pressure, but I got to tell you, Matt, like when it all falls into place, when everything's on time, in rhythm, in sync, it's awesome. Like, it's a good feeling. You can feel it. Oh, yeah. Like, like, and it's something like jazz, too. And again, like, everyone's, like, knocking jazz. And I love that Damien Chazelle in this film specifically, and even in La La Land, Ryan Gosling's a jazz pianist in that film. They're, like, pro jazz. Got to get jazz out there. Because it is a, it's a dead genre. Well, but beautifully, it's beautiful. Yeah, like, so it, because it is so furious and vivacious, when it does fall into sync, it's awesome. Yeah. Oh, we write to it, whether it's we Coltrane do. or Miles Davis. Yep. It's there's just something about that particular style of music that's different than anything else. Mm-hmm. And so when it falls into place, it's great. But when it's all fucked up like it is here, oh, God, it sucks. <laughs> when, when you hear
0: Teller playing, mm-hmm. actually, let me walk this back for a minute. Okay. One of the things that's really clear in sports films is how actors are not athletes. Mm-hmm. They just look bad. Now, when you get one that can't actually throw a ball or swing a bat, it looks really good. And when you have one that can't, yeah. boy, it's telling. Mm-hmm. Simmons and Teller are both very capable musicians in their own right in yeah, the way they're that, portrayed on that film. That makes the film work. I know you did research on that, so mm-hmm. I'm going to let you tell everybody the stories of those. And then I want to talk about Simmons specifically
1: with the conducting bit. Go ahead. Sure, yeah. Miles Teller been playing drums since he was 15, so... Knew his way around the kit. So I think they said at least 40 to 60% of him on the soundtrack is him. Wow. And most of what we see of him on screen is him as well. So Mm -hmm. it lends to the authenticity because you don't need a drumming double for most of the film. That definitely helps. Uh, But yeah, go ahead and talk about Simmons. Well, didn't he
0: have a career in conducting before he began acting or equally? Nothing like the Seattle Philharmonic or anything, but definitely had some some chops in that space. Mm-hmm. This guy can play the piano. Mm-hmm. Obviously spend some time in the weight room. Academy <laughs> award-winning so nominated so actor, terrible. right? Like Dude, the guy's ripped. The, he is a pretty miraculous individual. Yeah. That, you know, my first time I ran into him was in Oz. Yeah. And I thought, okay, this is one of those sort of characters in an HBO. Movie. And like from then on, it's kind of a pretty good show. It's a great show yeah. with a really stunningly good cast yeah. that no one knew about at the time. hmm As much as it's difficult for Teller to pull off drumming if he doesn't drum, man, it's just as hard for Simmons to pull off conducting because a lot of that Mm -hmm. is not the beating on the drums, but it's the same rhythm. He sets the rhythm that Teller has to follow, and neither one of those guys, Jesse, are professional musicians. Yeah. I don't know, again, I don't know what ensembles Simmons conducted, but I know there were several before this. Mm -hmm. And to Chazelle's point, like, the goodness or the, the brilliance of Chazelle yeah. to go through a casting process that said, look, we can do some camera tricks where we pretend tellers drumming and then not do close on his face or do like yeah. POV from behind where it's mm-hmm. in the back of his head. But there are moments where it's on him. Mm-hmm. And the only time in the film that that is clearly not him is the very, very end. Cause yep. it's just that, and you can tell the hands are different, which they would have to be because oh. you're watching the best drumming solo in the 20th century. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. That had to have been a really arduous process. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine how many people went through that casting call? Or maybe there wasn't. Maybe it was just these two guys because no one else could oh pull my it God. off. I'm
1: glad you asked that because you know a name that did flow through the casting call and yep. he passed. Who? Dane DeHaan. <laughs> really? Yeah. God, what it, is there a
0: greater <laughs> case of terrible career choices? <laughs> yeah. Dane DeHaan was in an amazing series with Gabriel Byrne that we spoke about some weeks ago called In Treatment. That if you've never watched it, you all need to watch it. Yeah, now. It's fantastic, and he is killer. Yeah. And then from that point forward, from Chronicle,
1: yeah.
0: And Chronicle. To Harry Osborne. <laughs> to One Miss After Another as the Green Goblin and to whatever stupid science fiction film. Valerian and the you go, city Valerian. of a Thousand Planets. Oh, my God. His yeah, agent needs to be fired twice. I know. Because he's dead. Yeah, who's
1: Dane DeHaan? I don't know. Maybe he'll get invited back for this new Spider-Man. <laughs> so he, <laughs> did he was he? A, do you know? Was I don't he know. A drummer? He, I don't know if he's a drummer, but maybe that's why he passes because like I can't lend to the authenticity. But he would been good. Yeah, I want to be in this movie. Yeah. Like this would be a blast to be in.
2: Are you going to tell him about your game this week? Living huh? up to <laughs> your title. Oh, what a
1: score! A ninety-three year touchdown. School down. record. School <laughs> record. School <laughs> record. That's, that's true. true. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's Division Three.
0: Amen.
2: It's Carlton football. It's not even Division 2. It's Division 3. Got any friends, Andy? No. Well, why is that? I don't know. I just never really saw the use. Oh, well, you can play with otherwise. Lennon and McCartney, they were school buddies. Am I right? Charlie Parker didn't know anybody until Joe Jones threw a symbol at his head. So that's your idea of success, son? I think being the greatest musician of the 20th century is anybody's idea of success. Dying... Broke and drunk and full of heroin at the age of 34 is not exactly my idea of success. I'd rather
0: die drunk, broke at 34 and have people at a dinner table talk about me than live to be rich
2: and sober at 90 and nobody remember who I was. Ah, but your friends will remember you. That's the point. None of us were friends with Charlie Parker. That's the point. Travis and Dustin, they have plenty of friends and plenty of purpose. I'm sure they'll make great school board presidents someday. Um, Oh, that's what this is all about? You think you're better than us? Catch on quicker and model you in. Hmm. I got a reply for you, Andrew. You think
1: Carleton football is a joke? Come play with us. Four words you will never hear from the NFL. Who yeah. wants to serve? Oh, man.
0: Okay, so let's... Who's
1: get... the alpha at that table? Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Okay, this is important for yeah. a couple things. You wanted to say something? Well, let well
1: let's catch up to it. So Andrew actually ends up getting the lead part because they misplaced the folder at a competition. He's He knows whiplash by by heart, so he can play it without having to sight-read.
0: Didn't Fletcher take that notebook?
1: Exactly, yeah. That's, that's one of those things, like... Yeah, yeah. To prove, like, he's got a goal here at, at, the, end of the, at the end of all of this, mm-hmm. and so he does it, plays pretty good, so now he's the first chair drummer, if you want to call it that, yeah. and so he go, goes home for a weekend for this family dinner and just lays into everyone that's, like, kind of belittling his little jazz drumming and his whatnot, and then everyone else at the table is just as low on the total pull as he is. What's frustrating about
0: that is watching these helicopter parents defend essentially nothing. Yeah. Division three football is like really good, like really mediocre high school football.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And we're talking about a 92 yard kick return. Yeah. You weren't even a starter. Yeah. You were a special team starter. So we're building up essentially the proud nature of parenting, Mm -hmm. which always plays really well on screen from the diving suit and the graduate. Mm Mm-hmm. To what we're witnessing now. Proud parenting. Yeah, that's good. One of the things that really hit me this time through on this film Mm -hmm. was the use of blood. I talked about that earlier. I'm going to use a bit of a metaphor here, but ride with me for a second. Sure. To be really good, Naaman sacrifices a lot of blood. Um, Physically. There's blood on everything. To be really good he's not going to have the support of blood either. His dad turns on him in this film. Blood insofar as what I mean is family. And he also shuns what might be future blood family with the girl that he's dating, Mm. kicks her to the curb because she's just going to get in the way. That's the next clip. Okay, so we'll get there, right? Mm -hmm. Good. So as we talk about the blood and the essence and the energy that flows through us, it carries the energy, et cetera, and everything that it represents metaphorically and physically, all of that is working here too. Mm -hmm. And at this dinner table, he is comparing his validity of value to the blood of family and their validity when his dad probably fires the biggest shot against his own son. He is literally, he being Naaman, a man alone. And if you want to be good, Jesse, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to go through these trials by fire over and over and over, and it's lonely, and that's probably why you're going to do heroin and drink because you are so lonely, and if you're good— About 60 people will know. And if you're bad, everyone will not care the way it is if you're also good. yeah. He's (laughs) comparing himself to, like, a JV or a junior college model UN rep and a special teams performer at Carleton College. Like, literally, who cares? Yeah, it's so silly. And he's the core drummer at Juilliard. Yeah. And these people around the table are too stupid. And the guy at the head of the table, the dad's at the head of the table. Yeah. Puts him on blast over something as stupid as friendship? I know.
1: You want to say something? Go ahead. Well, it's what I said last week. I mean, you know, my director definitely put me through the the gamut of stress and and perseverance of, you know, seeking out musical perfection like a Fletcher, but taught a lot of great life lessons. I mentioned last week how he says, doesn't matter what you were now, because when you get to the next stage, no one's going to care. I mean... I truly honestly mean what I'm about to say right here is the two most important teachers of my of my entire life is the one sitting right before me doing this show with me and my music teacher. Thank you. The life lessons learned through both of you, through film, through life, through examples, have helped shape me into the person I am now. So... I honestly, I get it. Like, you see, again, I'm defending Fletcher, but I understand, like, the pursuit of perfection, it it pushes you to be better. It pushes you to be a better man. Like, it pushes you over the edge. So I totally understand it. So Andrew's pursuits of wanting to be better, I get it. But it's going to be lonely, huh? That's going to be lonely. So remember last
0: week was almost famous. There's a great line that we didn't talk about last week that Philip Seymour Hoffman, as Lester Bangs, gives um, Will. Yeah. And it's... You'll meet them all again on their long road to the middle. So here's Andrew at this dinner trying to get out of the Subaru in the carpool lane on the middle lane of mediocrity of life. Yeah. Where everyone around him is celebrating average to slightly above average mediocrity. Yep. How frustrating. Yep. And the truth in that is it's going to be lonely. There is nobody else in the car, so you're not going to be able to travel in the carpool lane. Mm-hmm. And those endeavors, they have to be fulfilled because you are taking on one lonely journey. If we're talking about the president of Model UN, like literally, yes, it's Jesse, so, who, it's, it's so who ca- Yeah, I would have called him out too. Whatever. Like dinner. And like he says it so perfectly. Mm-hmm. They're all going to make great school board presidents. Exactly. It's so true. It's, it is so, and you know what? Yeah. I feel like this is a real conversation. Mm-hmm. That's one of the best fight scenes I've ever watched. Just in film, Damien Chazelle's a good writer. Oh man, that's really well done. Yeah, and the the
1: banter back and forth.
0: Yeah, four words you will never hear from the NFL. That's so
1: good. Oh, so the road to lonely. Not only can you just got to sacrifice the family and any type of social life, you got to dump the girlfriend as Mm. well. Ouch. I want to be one of the greats,
2: and I would stop you from doing that. You know I would stop you from doing that. You know that for a fact.
1: Yes. And I'd barely see you anyway. Yeah. And when I did see you, you'd treat me like shit because I'm just some girl who doesn't know what she wants and you have a path and you're going to be great and I'm going to be forgotten and therefore you won't be able to give me the time of day because
2: you have bigger things to pursue. That's exactly my point. What the fuck
1: is wrong with you? You're
0: right. We should not be dating. Brutal. So Andrew's an asshole.
1: This is a well-written scene, too. Mm-hmm. Like, this is really good, but he lays it on the line for his girlfriend. Like, in order for me to assume to what I want to be, the greatest, I got to dump you, too. Because you're going to get in the way. Mm-hmm. And the way he's just so blunt about it is it's such an asshole. Oh, it's brutal. And she calls him out. Good for her. Yeah. But... Oh, God, like what we're going to sacrifice. And then to follow that up with the next scene is the ice and the drumming and the blisters that he's Mm -hmm. going to endure and the blood in the ice water. Because at this point, Fletcher's brought in competition, Conley, uh, for this piece called Caravan. And now that's going to kind of be the crux now. Like whoever can play this the best earns the part. If you want to play good, you got to earn the part. So what's coming up next is just, He's going to put him through it. He wants to find the best that, and you you kind of know. I mean, I've seen this movie a few times now. He's going to pick Andrew, right? You would
0: think he has to eventually.
1: This is just part of the journey to get there. This is one of the trials, the stages. This is one of the speed bumps along the way. You got to prove that you're better than these guys. This scene is brutal.
2: Is that really the fastest you can play? You worthless Jaime fuck. No wonder mommy ran out on you. Get off the fucking kid.
1: Just sticking it in him again. Yep.
2: And here comes Mr. Gay Pride of the Upper West Side <laughs> He's himself. So cruel, man. Unfortunately, this is not a Bed Midler concert. We will not be serving cosmopolitans in baked Alaska, so just play faster than you give fucking handjobs, will you please? One, two, one, two. Not even fucking close. Let's go with the Irish Mick fucking patty cracker now. You know, you actually do look quite a bit like a leprechaun. I think I'm going to start calling you Flannery. you're looking for there's no pot of gold down there are re- adjusting the seat really that's been your fucking problem the whole time the seat height so now you have it right go
0: bullshit fuck you bullshit Demon. fuck you
2: <laughs> maybe it's time to finally bring this home what do you say
0: these, Bloody, sweaty.
1: They're raw, just playing. Like, they got nothing left. They're not even playing with any form. Didn't or, the rehearsal start at 9 p.m.? Yeah, 9 p.m., and it's like 2 AM. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Running them just ragged, and yeah. they're not even playing with any finesse. It's just who can play fastest without their hands, like, falling off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely brutal. And yeah. the insults are legendary. <laughs> so once Naaman gets in
0: there and he's been reduced to pulp, yeah. drumming pulp, Then he gets it going a little bit because Fletcher, I guess, isn't kicking him off, so he must be doing something right. Yeah. And then he goes about destroying the kid around him, kicking over the music stands, Mm -hmm. banging a in a Will Ferrell, violent Will Ferrell scene, a cowbell next to his ear. Yeah, you get in tune. Just hammering him. Faster, faster. Mm -hmm. But Naaman's hands are this bloody, and the drums are covered with blood. His hands are throbbing. He keeps on keeping on, and... This is just to get the part officially.
1: Yeah, we got to have rehearsals still after this. I can't imagine.
0: This is to solidify your place as a core drummer, because remember, he got it sort of by proxy with uh, whatever his name is losing the notebook that Fletcher, I think, took anyway. Yeah, Tanner. Tanner, thank you. Yep. Now you got to go to practice? Brutal. I couldn't do it. So the expression that I think gets thrown around all the time, again, the sports metaphors seem to be prevalent this weekend. So if you're not a sports fan, I'm sorry, but... There's a stupid expression in sports, which is first in, last out, Mm -hmm. referring to practice habits. Yeah. Whatever. Just be efficient. Yeah. Okay. And maybe there's something to that. But if we're going to use sports metaphors, I can tell you what Fletcher is not. He is definitely not a player's coach. Oh, no. Right? (laughs) It's
1: like Vince Lombardi (laughs) over here.
0: But I guess at the end, Naaman has gone through this trial by sweat, fire, blood, and he's locked down the part. But, boy, it was taxing to get there
1: it's weird that you bring up sports because i honestly feel like it is kind of like a sport and it's a weird sport because it lasts all year long oh
0: that's well said i hadn't thought
1: about that uh, like well i thought i always thought that like going i was like i was like we start in july and we don't stop until the end of may Mm -hmm. we get one month off in june and then it starts up again it's a year long and it evolves with what you're doing it's jazz it's concert it's marching. And it just doesn't end. I yeah. mean, that's why all those friends of mine that are still my best friends because I saw them every day. Yeah, and then afterwards too. So it's a year long sport, mm. and you just gotta like just pony up because it's gonna be it's gonna be a ride the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so now we get to the, the this the big performance here, and it's it's two hours away. He's got to take a bus, but then of course everything that can go wrong will go wrong. Plus gets a flat tire. He's got to go get a rental car. He leaves the sticks behind. He's got to go back and get the sticks. And then I just can't even just like, this is the coup de gras. Gets in a car accident. T-boned big time. Probably not even just like from behind and like, oh, some whiplash. Uh, <laughs> ha ha. Car gets flipped. Yes. <laughs> he probably has a broken arm, a concussion. Yeah. And he's like, I can't be late for this. So he shows up to the rehearsal all beaten and bloody. Trying to play Caravan and they can't even do it. He can't even do it. Like he's not in the shape, but he's just so driven to prove that he belongs. And Fletcher just stops it. He's like, We're not going to go on. Like Fletcher says to him, Naaman,
0: you're done. You're done. Like forever. You're out of Schaefer Conservatory. You you failed all my tests, is essentially what he's saying. Beat wise, I guess this is the second act reversal, right? Well, he lets him have it. He is in a worse position than he was when the film started. Not only are his hands broken, but he's not even in the school anymore. He's not even in a place where there's a chance.
1: Well, he assaults Fletcher.
0: <laughs> and then he tries to fight his teacher. Mm-hmm. And Fletcher has it coming. I
1: Oh, of course. I
0: kind of wish he'd beat the shit out of him a little bit. Because mm-hmm. that's what Fletcher's been doing to him, Jesse. Yep. L- physically, I mean it, really. You know, yeah. So, once Naaman gets kicked out, then he's left with the stark reality that maybe this dream dream that I've been chasing is so expensive,
1: it hasn't been worth the cost. Can I mention something that happened in the following scene that I noticed for the first time? Yeah, because I know we're working with a director who knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. He introduced that scene where they're meeting with the lawyer because now they're going to get Fletcher kicked out as a teacher because the past teacher or student, he killed himself, and this abuse can't go on. He introduces all the characters with three close ups and then pulls back and establishes the room. I mean, now we're talking about like Mm -hmm. James Whale Frankenstein. Like, Mm -hmm. here's Frank Frankenstein's wife, you know, the guy, the maid, picture of him, and then establish the room. Like, he knows how to set up the scene, yeah. which is it's all part of filmmaking. Like the guy knows what he's doing, which I just I, I love when I see stuff like that. I love that. That's a great catch. Mm-hmm. A lot of the important
0: pieces in this film, when it's not the drumming bit, happens over a table in a discussion, usually drinking. So in the previous sound <laughs> you just did,
1: usually drinking,
0: right? At, yep. at dinner with the fi- the model you in and all that. When he dumps his girlfriend, what he's having is the same conversation or an admission of the same beliefs that Fletcher's about to have him in the scene that I've referenced 50 times already in this episode that's coming. What she doesn't understand is the philosophy that he thinks is so vitally important. And in order to enact that philosophy, he's going to have to find a willing participant. You're going to get that with Fletcher here in just a minute when Fletcher gives the admission of what I was after. But at this point, if if you adhere to that belief that Naaman is willing to sacrifice everything to be one of the all-time greats. Think about what's happening in this particular drinking dining scene. He's basically Mm non-communicative, shrugs off most of the questions, denies, avoids, chooses mostly to not participate, and then has fallen under the wing of parenting of his dad.
1: Not even a parent. Paul Reiser.
0: Which. Right? <laughs> so if it's <laughs> Fletcher to raise you to what you want to be, think about now you've gone back to daddy who has shown up to protect you. And I understand why. I'm not blaming Paul Reiser. Like, it's just, it no, shows you. No, I'm just you, saying I,
1: Paul Reiser's kind of Clive Bohony for me. Okay, fair. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're uh, at this point when yeah. he's meeting with the lawyer and dad at a Starbucks. And I think it is a Starbucks, That's, which is also appropriate. Yeah, as low
1: as you can be. Man, he is miles away from being the next Buddy Rich. Well, let's get to the scene you're talking about. So, after he gets him kicked out, yeah. he's kicked out of school. He's trying to find a new life. He's selling bagels at yes. Chock Full of Nuts or whatever <laughs> down there in New York in the village. Yeah. And, yeah. Escape from New York escape for you. From Schaefer, yeah. <laughs> escape from Schaefer, yeah. Escape from Schaefer. He passes by this jazz club, which I would go into as well, but he sees the name on the chalk there and he's like, well, let me just kind of take a gander. We haven't seen Fletcher play music at all. Right. he's a virtuoso on the piano. It's it's smooth. It's beautiful. It's great. And then he tries to sneak out before he can see him. And he's like, Andrew. And we're like, oh, shit. Like, he's going to rip him. Mm -hmm. But no, they do the exact opposite. They have like this poignant conversation. And it ends with this.
2: Cries himself to sleep that night. But the next morning, what does he do? He practices. And he practices and he practices with one goal in mind never to be laughed at again and a year later he goes back to the Reno and he steps up on that stage and he plays the best motherfucking solo the world has ever heard so imagine if Jones had just said well that's okay Charlie that I, I was alright, good job and Charlie thinks to himself, well shit I did do a pretty good job <laughs> end of story No bird. That, to me, is an absolute tragedy. But that's just what the world wants now. People wonder why jazz is dying. I tell you, man, and every Starbucks jazz album just proves my point, really. There are no two words in the English language more harmful good job.
1: Amen. He's so right. Boy, isn't he? Because when you hear those words, you settle. You're like, I did do a good job. I don't need to push myself harder. I don't need to practice anymore. I've kind of made it, so we'll just kind of keep this status for right now and be content. But then it doesn't push you to the status that he's talking about. He's talking about Charlie Parker, who is arguably the greatest saxophonist of all time, who died tragically at the age of, I think 34 or 36 mm-hmm. of a heroin overdose strung out, drunk, and, and young play some of his sax solos. They're amazing. Uh, but yeah, are you going to be pushed to that extent? If you don't go through an experience like that, you know what I mean? Someone calls you out on it. The person that they bring up a lot in this film is Buddy Rich. Yeah. Buddy Rich is arguably the greatest drummer, rock, jazz, whatever of all time. Buddy Rich is a notorious asshole as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. there's i think you can find them on youtube i don't know if you've ever heard them uh, but the buddy ridge tapes so like members of his ensemble secretly recorded his tirades on like the bus after a gig and mm. like released them and it's like take fletcher and take that to like an 11 it's bad i wonder if you could upload like some of that on the social this week. yeah I'll, I'll look for it yeah but I, I
0: have that solo that he was <clears throat> mentioning that ready to go i've mm-hmm. had it ready to go so i'll put it on this week too sweet let me ask you a question. Okay. When Fletcher says and what I went through, I went through because I tried and I tried to find one of the all time greats and then admits to name and I haven't been able like I've got a couple people that are playing with Marsalis or yeah. score you know what? recognized professional elite musicians, mm-hmm. but nobody that you would recognize by name. Yeah. In twenty twenty or twenty eight sixteen, when it was this sixteen? Fourteen. Twenty fourteen. How many recognizable names in jazz were there just among the general populace that were contemporary? Not, I mean, dead. Well, contemporary? Like Shit. The I mean, Marcellus Boys, and that might be it. Yeah. Who? But fucking John Tesh, <laughs> Kenny G, right? The Starbucks Clan.
1: You're right. Yeah. Smooth jazz, yeah. which
0: don't even get me started. No. Yeah. I don't want an elevator. I want I want music. Yeah. So what he's saying is, I have been steadfast in my endeavors to find one of the all-time greats. And I think it's my job because I'm gifted with the talented group of individuals that were good enough musically to get into this elite school. So I'm already dealing with a clearinghouse effect that gives me better than your average bear musician.
1: Yeah. They're the Alabama of the college football. (laughs) Okay. Great. Well said. And he's
0: Nick Saban. Yeah. He's Nick Saban. So I want to ask you, okay. Are Fletcher's efforts to find the next buddy rich watered down in your opinion, because he's not like finding them on the street or magnified because the pressure to produce at that level certainly goes with the clientele
1: he's working with. What do you think? I think it's his own personal pursuit, but I think it's a type of frustration that he's met with that he hasn't found it yet. I mean, he's not dealing with off-the-street musicians. He's dealing with the best of the best, and the fact that he hasn't found it thus far has to be frustrating. Mm -hmm. And I think that, in turn, has created the Fletcher, the monster that we see in this film. It has made him a cantankerous, evil person to find that. I mean, I think he's desperate in this film.
0: Do you feel that? Yeah, because his best pupil up to Naaman is a guy named Sean Casey, and we find out in the film he just committed suicide essentially because Fletcher was so hard on him. Mm-hmm. The closest he got was this Sean Casey guy, and he plays with Marcellus. Yeah. And we find out in the film that Fletcher says he, which I think it's only that he uses a car wreck, which is what happens to Naaman too. Mm-hmm. A little bit of foreshadowing That's what
1: there. happened to Damien Chazelle on the making of this movie
0: is too. Too. How about that? Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But his prodigy, his prize-winning pig hung himself in his room. Yeah. That cannot be a burden that's light on the shoulders of Fletcher, but you know what? He continues. And that's the theme. I am going to be dogged yeah. in my pursuits. And if I die and it never happens, then so be it. I tried. I am not going to say, well, yeah. you know what? That was a pretty good job. Cause I tried with these four mm-hmm. and those words. Mm-hmm. When I saw this film, the first time resonated so loudly with me. I want to tell you a story about a teacher now. Mm. When I was in high school, my senior-level world history teacher to this day, that was the <clears> toughest <throat> class I've ever taken. It was murder. Yeah. Hours and hours of grinding through text, and it was it was work. Yeah. I learned so much in there because you had no choice. <laughs> yeah. Guy's name was Mr. Murdoch. and Ooh, good name. I appreciate him on high, yeah. uh, long gone. So to Mr. Murdoch. Uh-huh. Cheers. <laughs> and Gus Blaisdell while we're at it. We read an article one day that I think was from the Christian Science Monitor. Oh, my God. I know. Weird, huh? (laughs) And it had to do— It was written by John (laughs) Travolta. I don't know. (laughs) Um, It had to do with the ideas that went around telling someone to take it easy. Like when you say goodbye, take it easy. And like what an indictment and how terrible that language was. And it really stuck with me because the article made sense. Don't tell someone to take it easy. What in life is easy? Sleeping is easy you don't want to sleep through life. And it was just this yeah. whole soapboxy message as an editorial about the trouble in that. His version of good job is the same discussion. Yeah, Good job is selling out. It is. It's settling. And on some things, good job is at getting dressed. Good job is good enough. Good job getting dressed today, Jesse. You're covered. Thank and you. it works. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Unless yeah. you're a fashion designer. Yeah. So when you start playing at the level that these gentlemen are, And the level that you've referenced in jazz where you just didn't want to work that hard anymore. Mm -hmm. How do you square in yourself? This is what I choose to pursue and what I choose not. Like, good job is going to be okay internally for me. And for these two guys in that particular scene, good job is failing. Yeah. But to get away from good job means doing one of the all-time greatest ever things. Yeah. And that hill, that mountain that they're ascending is Mount St. Helens during an eruption with no shoes.
1: <laughs> Jesus. Hard, right? Yeah. It's lightning in a bottle. It's it's yeah. finding a needle in a haystack. It's like it's a rare commodity of what he's after. But it's b- a, by all means, he's gonna do whatever he can to find it.
0: It's lightning in a bottle when most people and most things are like, I'm okay going out there just as long as I have an umbrella.
1: Yeah. Ooh, good.
0: That's, you got to go out there. It's a lightning storm, no umbrella. And I hope you get struck, which is going to be fucking painful if it happens. Yeah, But that's the only way. It's the only way to make it happen. Yeah. To endeavor that way, you have to be as aggro and as manic as, as Fletcher is. And by the same token, he's having the same conversation with Naaman that he had with his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And you know what Naaman says when he says, well, could you take it too far and discourage the Charlie Parker? Yeah. And Fletcher says, no, man, because Charlie Parker would never be discouraged. Exactly. What does Naaman say? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. This is where the two of them yeah. finally bury the hatchet. And it's going to seem like Fletcher doesn't bury the hatchet, but Fletcher has one Last trick up Hail Mary a, trick up his sleeve to
1: get him across the finish line as one of the all timers. Let's get to it. Let's so do it. he pitches Andrew on like, I'm doing this thing with the JVC, mm-hmm. but there'll be some people. It's like scouts. It's just like sports. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. There'll be people watching. You could get a good gig, but I got a drummer who ain't cutting it, but we're doing a few of the old standards. We're going to do whiplash and caravan. What do- does JVC even stand for? Do you know? I don't know. I just like JVC the TV. <laughs> Oh, okay, I
0: thought that was like a common jazz thing. I don't know. All right, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt yeah. you. Keep going.
1: Anyway, so he and just like, Yeah, maybe I could get back into it. And then we kind of see the practice go in. He's got the band-aids on and he's going through the, the the process again until he gets to the day, gets on stage. And it looks like up until this point, him and Fletcher have they're good. They like you said, they buried the hatchet. We're gonna go do this performance, we're gonna put on a good show. But you said, Flet- Fletcher has one trick up his sleeve. You think I'm fucking stupid?
2: What? I know it was you.
1: So right before they're going to go on, and they're going to play Whiplash, is with the chart he has pulled up. He walks up to him and says, do you think I'm fucking stupid? I knew it was you. I knew it was the one- you were the one that ratted on me. You're the reason I lost my job. And then Andrew's like, oh, what, what's going on here? What's what's happening? And then Fletcher goes up to the mic and is like, we're going to start with the new tune, Upswingin'. Tim Simonek, And then I the moment of panic that goes through his head is literally like a nightmare that I've had many times in the last, since mm. I've graduated, like the last 10 years, mm. is not having the piece of music you're supposed to play uh, for this group of people. Mm-hmm. And Andrew, he, by all means, does his best to kind of pull it together but it sounds terrible. It's You see that he's does not prepared. He doesn't have the chart. Everyone's kind of like, dude, what are you doing? Like, This is a sick trick to play on the rest of the band that you didn't let in on that. Like, yeah, we're not going to give the chart to the drummer. We're going to see how this goes. Brutal.
0: It's all set up really well before this happens because backstage Fletcher says, hey, man, if you're good tonight, these people have the ability to greenlight your musical career going forward. But if you screw it up, they will bury you. They'll never you. forget. These cats never forget. And Andrew goes out there and does the worst performance and that level of music that's ever been recorded. This is the symbol that Joe Jones throws at Charlie Rich's head or Charlie Parker's head. Mm-hmm. This is the moment. This is the symbol that's been thrown. He's essentially laughed off stage. He goes home and
1: cries in daddy's arms and stops. I got to tell you, Matt. Yeah, I do. So I didn't see this. I didn't see this movie when it. Uh... When it came out, mm-hmm. this is a mistake on my part. But I think you saw it like probably on like the second to last week it was available in the theater. And mm-hmm. you said, you got to go see this. Yeah. And the ending is remarkable. But you didn't, you didn't spoil it for me, thankfully. And uh, Shane, who was on here for The Rise of Skywalker, said, Jesse, you got to go see Whiplash. This movie's amazing. I was like, yeah, I'll see it eventually. So then when I finally got to see it, and it came to this part, and Fletcher just totally screws him over, I kind of thought I was like, and he goes back. He goes and hugs, embraces dad backstage, and then he like has this look on his face, and he's like, well, I'm going to go back into it. This is good job. Honestly, the one scenario I was like, this guy, he's going to pull a gun on Fletcher and just murder him here on stage. I thought it was going to go that way. Yeah, that would have been Parasite. Thank God it didn't. Uh, but... uh he instead gets on the drum kit. Wow, you really thought he was going to go I, to that I level? I thought I was like, because uh, I didn't know how this was going to end. I was like, I, I was thoroughly just surprised at like every twist and turn. <laughs> wow! But I was like, I was like, man, he's so he's just going to pull a gun out that we haven't seen yeah. and just like blow him away on stage, mm. and then we're going to have this like twisted ending that I I tend to like. Mm-hmm. So I probably would have been okay with that too. But instead, he hops on this drum kit and then does this.
2: Uh, now we're going to slow it down a little bit. I'm guessing most of you folks
1: have heard. are going to do all of it. I'll cue you in. Caravan Three, four. Oh, yeah, Fletcher, you're going to screw me? I'm going to screw you now. Mm-hmm. So he pulls out the song that they practice. Like that wasn't the next song they were going to play. And he's going to pull a fast one on him. But I, th- what I love about this film is I think Andrew knows this is literally my last chance. These people here in this auditorium saw me screw up majorly. And in order to redeem this, I got to give them the best they've ever seen. So his motivation going into this is I got to prove to everybody and to Fletcher and to this audience that I am one of the greats. And mm-hmm. what proceeds is nothing short of remarkable in the way it's shot, cut, acted, it's sounds. I I don't say this lightly. This is easily one of the best 10, 20 last minutes mm-hmm. of any movie ever. Yes. No argument. Oh, it's
0: incredible. There's a satisfaction that happens. You get an unexpected ending. And there's a moment between the two of them once Fletcher kind of descends the volume on the drums and then A sends it to the crescendo where they all kind of recognize we did it. And the moment that is just eyes on both of them where you don't see them smile and you can tell that these two frenemies have both gotten from each other what they have worked so hard to get from themselves. Mm-hmm. It makes you wonder at the end, at least makes me wonder at the end, had we just come to this crossing earlier, we could have saved each other all of this grief, but we wouldn't have had a really good
1: movie. A lot process. of stress. Cause They're, they, it was there the whole time. They both had the same goals. There's a moment halfway through this solo or caravan, which is a terrific, this is a great jazz number mm-hmm. that they play. Uh, And it's written in the screenplay too, where Fletcher kind of has like a, almost like a reversal recognition of himself. And you kind of see in his performance, was this his plan the entire time? And I honestly, deep down say yes. Me too. That this was, I got to put him through an ultimate embarrassment to pull this out at the end of the day. Which a
0: genius. <laughs> my defense... Yes, I agree with you. And my defense for that is he references that symbol being thrown at Charlie Parker's head twice in the film. Yeah.
1: That's this. That's that moment. Right. Yeah. This is
0: it. You wouldn't mention something twice and hold that in such rev, like rever, reverie unless it had some germane element to the character. And man, he fires a symbol because he's, he's, he's wrecked Naaman's career if he doesn't come back out. It's over. Yeah, Naaman has to fix... What Fletcher has just done to him. And if he doesn't, he was never going to be one of the all-timers, and Fletcher can move on and try to find someone else. But I think there's something there, Andrew. So I'm going to give you one last chance, and it's going to be against all odds because that's what it's going to take because only the greats are able to bring it back from
1: against all odds. And there's two moments. So the one I just mentioned where you kind of realize, eh, maybe this was his plan, and then there's the moment where Fletcher realizes what's happening. Mm -hmm. And it's when Andrew knocks the symbol down and he goes up and picks it up for him. Yeah. And he wants him to finish. He's like, you got to keep going. I'm not going to be an obstacle anymore. I'm going to be an agent that helps. Oh, that's, it's so good. And because yeah. cause he what, what he realizes, what he's witnessing is greatness in front of him. And the shot I love absolutely is fucking Paul Reiser watching from the hallway. And it's just the shot of him in the door and watching his son just kill it. Yeah. And he just realized, Oh my God, I didn't even know my son was this good. Uh, that's, that's, it's a, Great, powerful moment. And then it just, it leads up to to an absolute head here. Like you said, that look back and forth. And then Fletcher, for the first time ever, has a smile.
0: You said something that was so perfect there, Jesse. Mm. Getting out there and performing the set list as Fletcher gave it and doing a nice job is good job. Yeah. Coming back from the brink and watching dad see his son kill it, mm-hmm. like you said. Just kill it. There's a difference between those two, and that's the difference between being a capable participant and then what name and Fletcher both want. Yeah. Just kill it. And he does. He
1: just kills it. And I love the unspokenness at the end. I mean, to me, great screenplays are sometimes best done with what's not said. Yeah. And just, you get it. You get this glance that they had. This is the first time. This is what I would been aiming for. You did it. We can smile. Cut to black we're never going to see each other again. You know what I mean? Like what's not said is just as powerful as what's said. So it's a, it's a fantastic ending. I absolutely love it. Fletcher who's tried time and
0: time again to keep jazz from going the way of Starbucks to like jazz has found a capable courier of that talent to keep jazz thriving and vigorous and, unsyncopated and all of the things that we like about it. Went through a lot of people to get there. Oh yeah. But Fletcher recognizes that the art is greater than the sum of the pieces and that I truly respect in him. Mm -hmm. His execution might be a little poor, but it's necessary to get there. And you know who wins at the end? Both of them and all of us. Yeah. The audience wins mightily. This is such a satisfying ending. Yeah. And if you like jazz and you like, this is a fiction, but yeah, if, you, if it was real mm-hmm. and that was the state of jazz drumming, we're all blessed. Yeah, we're in
1: good shape. We are. A couple, couple little anecdotes here. So this is one of the heavy hitters that Oscar season, when it came out, it won the Audience Award and Grand Jury Prize at Sundance that year. Five Oscar nominations, three wins, one for Simmons, uh, one for... I love the way Chazelle cuts his movies. They're fast. They're fa- they're in tune with the music, the soundtrack. So especially in this last scene, we're cutting between the trumpet to this, this, that. It's it's just mm-hmm. brutal. So the film won best this is one of the best cut films of the last 25 years. It's it's just got a great pace to it mm-hmm. and for sound mixing. Uh three million dollar budget, uh 49 million dollar gross. So that's that's pretty good. And this is the most remarkable part of the entire thing. It was filmed in 19 days. Holy smokes. Yeah, really? Yeah. It's a pretty long movie, isn't it? Almost two hours in, in runtime? Like one hour, and, one hour and 50 minutes? Wow. That's 19 a, days. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. I can't imagine. They're just on it every day. Helps to work with talent. With purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Not, not quite my tempo. 19 days. Get on a lot of, like, I've been on a few film sets, and there's just, like, a lot of standing around oh, and doing yeah. this shit, and... Mm-hmm like Chazelle knew the film he wanted to make. So it was very crisp and there wasn't a lot of like screwing around. Like he knew what he wanted. But uh, before we wrap up, Matt, what is your favorite tasting note of whiplash?
0: It's that scene in the blue note or Mm. whatever that bar is. Yeah. It's just the, some of the best dialogue I've ever seen on film. Um, And again, having the bad guy express their goals in a way that makes sense, even if they might be executed poorly is a tough, tough, tough deal. Mm -hmm. And it's
1: done brilliantly in this movie. So that's mine. What's yours? This ending. Yes. Like I said, it's one of the best film endings of all time. Mm -hmm. It's the reversal, the, like the switcheroo that uh, Fletcher does to, to Andrew. And then Andrew does to Fletcher is there. It's just so great. And then it just ends on a high note and you just, it cuts to black right when it needs to. I hate films that stick around longer than they need to need to be. So it's a perfect ending in my book. It's I absolutely love it. Yeah. What's the oh my God! moment of the film?
0: Well, you mentioned it just a minute ago. It's that bit where he takes his hand and stuffs it in that pitcher of oh, water and ice Jesus Christ! and yeah. the blood turns all of the water and ice in there red. Not only is that really cinematically beautiful, It's poignant and violent and uncomfortable. Um, There's a nice backdrop, like a backdrop of a really
1: good score at that moment. Just that shot of him punching the snare head and then putting a hole in it is enough to get the frustration and pain that he's feeling just trying to compete at this point. In all the prep for that
0: scene, like mm-hmm. you can see him building this and this. One of the things he builds is this tub of ice and water because he knows his he, hands are going to swell he up knows so much he's going to have to ice them he down. He knows
1: it's going to get there. Damn. That's how far he's going to push himself. I love that. That's uh, good. It's great. Uh, mine's the car accident. Mm-hmm. Like to, to go through that, they don't even exchange insurance information on this rental so in the back of my head my ocd brain's like oh my god like you left like the scene of an accident you have a rental car like this is costing <laughs> you thousands of dollars yeah you're so sued. you're so screwed right now but yeah. the how bloody and messed up he is to go out on stage and just totally mess up is just absolutely brutal uh yeah that's that moment for me like and the willingness like i know i'm in bad shape I should probably just kind of stick this one out and let Connolly play, but no, I'm so driven to keep going that I'm going to pursue this. Oh, my God. The
0: part when he drops the drumstick and he's trying to pick
1: it up and his fingers are dripping blood. Uh, And he uh, looks up and then Fletcher's looking up at him like, what the hell are you doing? He's trying to drum with his hand. (laughs) Brutal. Mm -hmm. Who's the master distiller on Whiplash? Oh, man.
0: I think I'm going to go with Simmons. I think there's three pretty capable. Sure. But I'm going to go with Simmons. Isn't I've a, always admired him, whether yeah. it's J. Jonah Jameson or Oz or any... He had that show where he was that double agent playing both parts. Oh, yeah, yeah, That was... Counterpart. Yeah, Counterpart. Yeah. That was pretty good for a while. Um, He's just really good. Mm-hmm. As hateable as he is, there's a piece of him that's also really lovable and admirable. And... In a side note, it's Chazelle and a nod of acknowledgement to him to recognize that and then take the chance on him
1: casting it
0: mm-hmm. and then Simmons delivering it. So I'm going to give it to Simmons.
1: I'm giving it to Chazelle. Yeah. My biggest gripe is that I didn't write this movie before he did because mm. we essentially had the same upbringing. He High school jazz, had a crazy teacher uh, that he had recurring nightmares of, which is what I suffered from and kind of just amped it up quite a bit to, to make this film but it's a hell of a debut for a young filmmaker, uh, and to follow that up with uh, La La Land and then First Man, I, like I'm fans of all of those movies. Actually, I'm really excited to see what what he's got coming next. He's the youngest actor, the youngest director to win Best Director, said movie called Babylon, right, with Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt. Yeah, sign me up. Let's <laughs> see who knows. <laughs> sign- Good start. Uh, yeah, I think he handled the script's amazing. It shot the cinematography in this thing's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just so in control of what he wanted. Uh, I believe that they shot this in 19 days because you're in with the director that isn't floofing around. He knows what he wants and I got to respect that. So yeah. How are you going to rate and grade whiplash? Is it top shelf or top shelf? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's top
0: shelf for me. And this is in my top 10 greatest of all time. Yeah. I think we kind of generally share a common consensus in that it hasn't been the best 20 years in cinema. Now there's a few offs in here. There will be blood. That comes up quite a bit. Yeah, this is the other one that comes up quite a bit. Um, it's a perfect film. I can't. There's not a bad moment for me in it. There's not a bad performance in it. It's handled with expertise where appropriate and subtleness where appropriate. It's smart if you need it to be. Mm-hmm. It's not if you just want to watch a crazy story about an abusive teacher and the kids rise up through that. Yeah, it checks all the boxes. It suits every piece of cinematic mastery that I think a great film should like about nine other films do.
1: It's tricky. Cause a lot of films that come out around this time that this film comes out are what I consider Oscar bait and they fall into a trap of trying to hit all the boxes and then overdoing it. Yep. This film does that, but like checks them all along the way. It's like, it's a new environment. The acting superb, the writing's great. It's shot. Well, it's it's cut. Well, And it's a good interesting story and it's satisfying at the end of the day. Yeah, it's it's a masterpiece. Yeah. What do you got? Same thing? Yeah, top shelf. Yeah. With with the bullet. And then I'll go as far as this. We're gonna have to come back to this in 20 years. Best film we've done on this show? No, but you know, we talk a lot about like or people just know about the film grades, whether it's Citizen Kane, Gone with the Wind, Mm -hmm. The Godfather Apocalypse Now, right, Signs of the Lambs, Pulp Fiction. The Elite elite films that always get talked about mm-hmm. it's early now but i want to come back in 20 years this film has to be in that conversation with all of those great films because it deservedly deserves to be there
0: so i want to ask you a question with all that list that you just named yeah
1: let's remove the godfather
0: yeah and i'm going to put vertigo in there mm. regarding rewatchability This has to be number one or number two on that, doesn't it? Well, because I
1: know you'd rather rewatch this than Citizen Kane. Oh, of course. Well, here's the other thing, too. So I have the jazz band bias because this is an arena I am familiar with, and I, you could give me a couple points there for liking it a little more than that, but in recent years, I've tried to remove myself from that and just look at it as a film, and it's, It's superb. It's it's just really well done, regardless of my affiliation with that arena. So, oh, of course, with the bullet.
0: Well, you have that, but everybody has kind of bastard instructor too.
1: (laughs) Everyone has. Everyone
0: can relate to that. Yeah. Not everybody can relate to jazz, but everybody has. Oh, I remember when that teacher I saw that, that. We all have that.
1: Yeah, this was my. I've never been in the military service, so like. I've never had like that PTSD of like rewatching the full metal jacket of the jazz world. Yeah. Something like that. So when I saw this movie, I was like, Oh my God, this is like my PTSD moment. I was like, it it all kind of just swam back to me in a good and bad way. Um, I'm forever grateful to that teacher for what he helped me become, what he's turned me into. And all my friends would agree with that. I think our biggest regret is that like post music that we haven't, like reached out and, uh, like gone to get like a beer, like with him, like that's something we definitely should do Mm -hmm. because it would be way different than how it was in class Mm -hmm. when he was off music. He was great. Like there's a great story. Like we went to go pick up a ping pong table from Craigslist with him in the band truck and we didn't strap it down properly. So when we took the first turn out of the neighborhood, (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) flying across the back of the thing and he's like did you guys strap that down and we're Like, no we thought you were doing that so when we got back it was all fucked up <laughs> but we still set it up and so like we had an off period it was sixth and seventh period we didn't have a class um this was after i was your aide and in, in that class so yeah. we just had time to kill so we, we would just play ping pong with the guy and he was great i know and then like when you're but when you're in the mode when you're in crunch time that's when it was stressful. So you take the good, the bad with it. But I would never go back and say I'd do that differently. No, do it the same way every time.
0: That's a great way to wrap that up. Excellent.
1: Yeah. Well, let's wrap up episode number one hundred with a nightcap.
0: That's such a great baseline. That walking yeah, bass in it. it. Yeah. yeah.
1: the trumpets there that that muted it's a it's literally an instrument it's a uh, an accessory it's called the mute and you put it in the bell of the trumpet and it makes that i love it i love whenever that comes into into the conversation
0: how do people not like that i don't
1: know when people say jazz is dead you just haven't been exposed to good i think that's true yeah Matt, episode 100, I can't believe we made it thus far. I still remember doing Unbreakable here and we were here on the one mic trying to figure out and we're just talking our way through. The way. And even that's good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's a great discussion. Um, I can't wait to do this for another 100 with you and hundreds and hundreds and just keep going until they run out of movies, which they never will. Nope. But for the next 100, my nightcap question to you is what's the top three? And this will just be a cast. We'll just have this be the Matt uh, playlist cast, and then we'll do the Jesse playlist cast. Oh, okay. And we'll just do the three in a row. Okay. Well what's the top three that you want to cover in the next 100? You want no, me to
0: go three, two, one, or just three, three, two, two, one? We'll one. do
1: three, three, two, two, one, one. Okay. The Hustler. Oh, of course. Right. Yeah. That's my third entry. Okay. The Hustler. What's yours? How many? Uh, how many times have we talked about that movie? Right. Like Piper Laurie has come up probably more than maybe not as much as Claude Rains, but she's close. Like that performance alone, like we got to cover that one. I fall in love with her every time we watch that movie. And as
0: much as I talk about the scene in this movie that happened in the bar that you played, the picnic scene in that film is the same level for me. That's that's number three for me. Number three
1: for me, an American werewolf in Ooh, London. Hell yeah. The last time I watched it was recently. It's so hard to do comedy horror. It's nearly impossible. But what Landis does in that film is nothing short of brilliance and Rick Baker's effects, and it's funny, it's spooky, it's 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 got everything you want in it. I, I would love to just totally dissect every aspect of that movie. Mm-hmm. So that's number three for me. Great choice. I've even thought, uh, kind of going off of the thing I just suggested, but a werewolf cask of the wolfman, the howling, and American werewolf would be pretty good. That would be fun. So maybe we might have to switch this. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We could even do a shot in there and do Thriller. We have to. The flight if of mm-hmm. American Werewolf is Thriller. We'll just talk about Thriller. I like that. Yeah, that's good. Number two? Number two. Boogie Nights. Excellent. Yeah, of Paul course. Paul Thomas Anderson. we got to talk about him.
0: We haven't covered anything from him. Nope. Yeah, we, that's that's a cask unto itself. That may not be Matt's wish list. That may be... Yeah, maybe that, that's There not, will be blood. Maybe that that's not going to fly. <laughs> yeah. But Boogie Nights. Excellent. There's so much to talk about. A lot of people didn't see that film because they were turned off based on the idea that it was porn. Um, Boy, what a huge mistake that was. And the craziest thing about that, there's no question that's Wahlberg's best movie by a mile. He wants no part of it. He I, disavows any participation in it. I disavow Mark Wahlberg. That's just such a... <laughs> You can be who you are now. That was, it was acting. You really weren't that person, man. This may
1: be the best movie he's ever
0: been in. Yeah. Yeah. That might be the best movie all of those people have ever been in. You know, a movie I like with Marky Mark,
1: you're going to laugh, but maybe not. It's I think it's a good movie, is Fear. I like Fear, too. Oh, man. We do a Mark Wahlberg cast. Okay. Number two for you. The thing, mm-hmm. John Carpenter. I mean, we've covered a lot of Carpenter, whether it's Escape from New York and Halloween and Assault on Priest. We have to cover that one. Yeah. It might, it'll be a long episode, it, two and a half hours. Like, there's just so much I have to say about every aspect of that. But it is for everything that ET is and was, and the thing came and went. And it, that film is a masterpiece to me in all the right ways. So that's number two. That's number two. I'm stunned. Yeah, that's number two. Yeah.
0: Wow, I can't wait to hear. It. I'm gonna just get through mine so we can get to your number one. Okay. My number one's also a number. Okay. Seven. Seven. Fincher.
1: It's time. It, it well, a tease. We are gonna cover a Fincher film soon. Soon. It's not seven. No. But we should do a Fincher cast because I want to. Co- I want to talk about that one. But I'd love to talk about Zodiac. I'd love to talk about Fight Club and Social Network. So two of my cask of wish lists might go into other ones. So I
0: may have to find some alternates, which there's plenty. Um, But yeah, seven.
1: I can't wait. Like I saw that recently and like, you know, the whole, it's got the Kevin Spacey element going for it right now. And I was like, is this going to like ruin the movie for me? And when I watched it this last time, it didn't um, because it's just so well-written and, like, we'll have to talk about in that, like, how do you remove the controversy from the actor and still respect the art that they put on screen yeah. before you knew it? You know what I mean? Like, you, you have to kind of, like, find the boundaries with that. If anything, it makes it even creepier that knowing the Kevin Spacey that is <laughs> and is. So, yeah. But that, it's one of the best written films of all time. I want to hear your number one. Okay. All right. Can I give you a couple honorable mentions? Yes. I want to do Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. But we have to have a guest because <laughs> we need a, just a dividing point for mm-hmm. how much you hate and how much I love. I mm-hmm. kind of need someone that hasn't seen it before yeah. to be the guest. Okay. And then we bring that person in on it. But I would love to cover Blade Runner. But that's Good. the short i we're today.
0: Good idea. It is. You're right. White Dragon Noodle Bar.
1: He say you Blade Runner. <laughs> yep. Uh, another honorable mention. I think this would be a killer cask. Ponder this. But we did New Hope, Empire, Return of the Jedi, and then... Rise of Skywalker, I kind of want to do Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith, but with the same guests. Oh, that'd be fun. Good idea. Brett and John, Mark and Blake, and Shane and Nate for those three. Mm, Great idea. And just rip them apart. Like... From the insides out. like
0: Maybe in that we'll get some E.T. like enlightenment, and maybe
1: one of them will be semi-salvageable. Doubtful. I mean, doubtful. <laughs> but I, I thought that was kind of a cool thing to bring the guests back into it. Great idea. Cool. Number one, mm-hmm. I'm dying to talk about it. Apocalypse Now. Yeah. 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 So Francis Ford Coppola, we haven't done any of his movies. We're going to touch on The Godfather at some point, but my seminal masterpiece from him is that movie, and it's just such a deep dive into madness. And mm-hmm. I would love to get in the weeds with everything that movie is and isn't. So that would be fun too. It'd be more fun to talk about just the making of the movie than the movie itself. So is that a
0: war cask. Is that maybe that in full metal jacket and private Ryan or something? It, it might be. Yeah. So since two of mine might be bumped out for something else, you have to give me two honorable mentions, which I figured would come one I already mentioned tonight or today. That's the awful truth. The original. And the
1: second one, a little bit... Su- I, I want to do more classic stuff from the 30s and 40s. We haven't really hit that in a while, have Whether we? Whether that be Hitchcock or Billy Wilder or Jimmy Stewart, Humphrey Bogart, uh, John Wayne. Like, I'm willing to go at that at any which way.
0: Yeah, that's coming. I'm sure in the next 100, we can find a way to work that in. Mm-hmm. And the second one, surprisingly, I would love to do Zach and Miri. hmm
1: well, I told you I want to do that whole Apatow mm-hmm. Ronchcom of mm-hmm. the late two so thousands. That would be a good cast, too. It'd be a lot of fun to talk about that. There's one thing that we'll never be short of content because as we're gonna talk about in a coming shot, as there's movies coming out. The way they're coming out is something to be desired or maybe not. Um, but there will always be movies to talk about, whether past, yeah. present, future, etc. No shortage. So let's just set up a few things. Uh, this week, we're going to do a bit of a fun thing. We're going to sit back, reminisce, have some more bourbon, and do a little bit of a rye retrospective in a Minnesota this coming week. Look at We're going to look at the best uh, rants that we've gone on, talk about the best bottles that we've had, the best uh, films that we discussed, the most surprised times that we've been, uh, and just kind of reflect back on the last 100 and just be grateful. That sounds
0: Like so much fun. It's going
1: to be fun. Yeah, Yeah, it'll be fun. We'll bring out the diamond decanter for that. Whatever bourbon's in there, I don't even know anymore. Best of. And then (laughs) we don't know what's in that one. And then to kind of lead up into the new year, like we said, we're going to cover some new films uh, coming out, but it's Christmas time. Got the Christmas tree on, Christmas lights up. We're going to cover a brief Christmas cask. And hey, wait a minute. I didn't know it was still spooky season, Mm -hmm. but it's Christmas season. So man, I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah. From 1974, Black Christmas. People are like, "Oh my God, they're going
0: back to horror." We just got out of it. They're
1: not saying that. They love horror. They I know. they love it. That's going to be fun to talk about. That's
0: going to be a black. I love Black Christmas. I've only ever seen that movie once, and I have to tell you, it was in two separate sittings at the same view. So mm. this, like, start to finish, fade into fade out, is going to be quite a little journey for me next That's week. It's going to be good.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, and we'll have another one leading up right to Christmas, and then it's 2021. God, wow, yeah.
0: So there's a lot that we missed, and 2021 is going to offer a catch-up period. But that's getting a <laughs> there's little.
1: There's a ahead. lot that we miss. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be all catch-up. Yep, for the good and for the bad. We have a
0: couple of uh, interesting ideas for short ones coming up too. As you all have probably read, there's plenty going on in the world of streaming and video on demand versus the theater thing. We're going to cover that in the not too distant future, and um, like very, very not too distant future, like immediately soon. We can uh, have. So what's today? The 12th. Yep. From now till New Year's, there's going to be quite an influx of rice stuff, so we got plenty coming, and then some hopefully big announcements right after the New Year,
1: which is good. I mean, a, a lot of podcasts. I shouldn't
0: say hopefully we have some big announcements after the New Year. There's nothing hopeful about it. I just have to announce it.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, no, the, whether it be a big podcast or, or like a lot of people kind of uh, they take breaks for all it, which I don't blame them. Right, Matt, you and I have turned out an episode per week since we took a one week break when we did. Um, a double indemnity. Oh wow! Because I was sick. That's right. Remember? Yeah. Because aliens a disaster. It's one of our top downloaded episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, ever since then, one week since then, we've never taken a break. The <laughs> and, perseverance, then and perseverance, and even if we had shit going on, we record ahead of time and we have something to come out that week. So, including six o'clock in the morning with bombers. <laughs> Remember that?
0: What episode once, was once that? Once
1: Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, man, that one's, that one's a rough movie. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, we, we don't typically take a break during... Ho- which is, I think a lot of people are thankful for. They have something to listen to while yeah. they're going between their Christmases. So you'll have a lot of content to listen to this December. So
0: It's sh- selfish though, isn't it? It's become a staple in my life. I look forward to this every Saturday. I love it. And so it's part of the schedule that anyone knows me like between x and x time on saturday he's not available yeah it's
1: awesome man yeah it's selfish but we'll pretend it's benevolent <laughs> excellent well thank you to everybody thank you to getting us to 100 hit us up on any on facebook or instagram right. rice at gmail.com give us a rating a review what you've liked thus far what you films you want to see just message us cover this and we'll fit it in somehow that's how Texas Chainsaw Massacre got got handled. And Joey, you're awesome. I, yeah. I hope I hope you're still on board here with what what we got going on. But uh, thank you to everyone that's listened thus far. It's been it's been fun for Matt and I.
0: These hundred steps have been in unison with each of you. Me and Jesse did this just behind closed doors, or not, but off mic for years. The fact that we do it and someone wants to listen to it to me never seeks or never never fails to shock me on high. So to all of you for the last 100 episodes plus proper and then the rye stuff more or the shot stuff more.
1: Here's to all of you. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to you, my friend. The best cheers. The best cheers. But I got to get going. I'm going to go pull my saxophone out. I haven't pulled it out since 2008. I'm going to see if I still got it. (laughs) I can't wait to watch this because I imagine
0: there will be a slight tremor in his hands because I'm going to yell at him when he does it that he's not on my
1: tempo. Excellent. We'll see you all next week and for the next 100, everybody. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to leave us some comments or some feedback, hit us up on any of the social media platforms or at productions at gmail.com. Whiplash is property of Bold Films, Bloomhouse Productions, Right-of-Way Films, Sony Pictures Classics, and Stage 6 Films. And no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time,
2: cheers. One more thing, Eugene, give me that. If I ever find one of these lying around again, I swear to fucking God, I will stop being so polite. Get the fuck out of my sight before I demolish you. Stage right, in order, now. I can still fucking see you, mini-me!